So uh, from Brooklyn, New York, I'm Adam Teeter. From Jersey City, I'm Erica Ducey. And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal. And this is a live Tales of the Cocktail Edition Vine Pair podcast. Guys, what's going on? Hey, excited to be here. I see you guys in video now. Usually we're I just know. doing the audio. I know. I know. And I've, I've long wanted to go to Tales of the Cocktail, so now I can say I've been, even though it does not involve going to New Orleans or necessarily doing more than putting on a shirt. I, I don't even know if I'm wearing pants, so, which may be the case if I had gone in New Orleans as well. Zach, Zach, have you never been? I've never been. Wow. It, Erica, it's what a lot about of you? fun, but it's oh, a lot several of fun. times. Yeah, I've been several times. I've presented a couple times, uh, and it is very hot, but so much. <laughs> I actually can't imagine what it would have been like this year if they would have done it this time of year, because I'm sure it would have been lovely. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's true. July yeah. in New Orleans is definitely super warm, but it's an, always a great time. Um, there's so many people that you get to meet, so many connections that you get to make, so many amazing bars that you get to sample cocktails from who are doing pop-ups across New Orleans. I mean, it's a it's a pretty amazing experience that, that's hard to replicate almost anywhere else, I think. I think given just New Orleans' attachment to the cocktail culture and the fact that, you know, the United States – uh, is the birthplace of cocktails. Let's be real, the rest of the world. Um, you know, it just, it makes, it fits there in, in a very different way than, you know, attending other conferences in other parts of the world. So uh, it's it's a very cool experience. And, you know, obviously can't wait to get back to uh, to Tales next year in, in IRL. Yeah, yeah I can't sure. wait to sweat my ass off with you all next year. <laughs> well, I know. Well, so before uh, before we k- kick into everything, I know we all made cocktails because it is, you know, it is Tales of the Cocktail. So, uh, or or other things. Zach, what are you drinking? <laughs> well, you know, I was... Uh... I just got back in the house just in time for our recording here. So I had to, to settle for just grabbing something off the shelf. But fortunately, those of you who are looking, I have, I have some selections back here. And uh, I'm drinking my favorite, which is also what I named my dog. This is uh, Willet Bourbon, uh, classic Kentucky distillery. And uh, it's delicious all the time, including right now in the middle of the afternoon here in uh, Seattle. I mean, definitely a lot of uh, Willet is consumed uh, during tales or just a lot of bourbon in general. Uh, Erica, what about you? Uh, so I have a very cool new liqueur from Four Save Spirit. It's a small Brooklyn distillery. Uh, Dan De La Nuez, who owns it, is someone that I've known for about 20 years. And it's been so cool to see this distillery come out, make a bunch of Amaros, DGSDs, this new product that they just uh, released that I'm drinking is called yellow. You can see the color. It's yellow. Um, and it's a really gorgeous liqueur that you can drink yourself. So like one of the things that, you know, I find um, tough about aperitif culture is sometimes there's so much sweetness, but this is like a really incredibly well-balanced liqueur that I actually have just been drinking over the rocks. And it's gorgeous. It has like some bitterness, some floral qualities. Like I, you know, um, received it in the mail a couple weeks ago and I've just been drinking it over ice um, pretty consistently. So, so cheers to fourth Dave spirits. That is awesome. How are you, Adam? I've got this awesome new tequila called Lalo that is actually made by the grandson of Don Julio. Um, so it's, it's pretty cool um, tequila. It's out of Austin. It's the only place it's available right now. Um, but basically it's a, it's a group of three guys who started it. Uh, it's kind of, you know, uh, the, the grandson whose nickname is Lalo. Um, he basically was making tequila for fun um, in Mexico and then sort of got 
was going to visit friends in Austin and kept bringing what he was distilling. And all of them were like, man, this is really good. Um, and his, you know, his whole idea is sort of returning to Blanco as the, the premier place to showcase tequila, right? So, you know, while Reposados and Añejos, you know, are interesting, he really feels like the, the pure form of tequila is Blanco. So that's all they do. And they do it really well. And they, you know, take the, the agave they're harvesting really seriously. So they want, you know, old agave it's at least seven years old they're not they're not going for the the really young stuff that a lot of people are just to you know keep up with demand right now and they really want all of those floral notes uh you know herbaceous notes etc from the agave to really come through um their belief is that when you get to reposado and añejo you really lose a lot of the flavor of the true agave and it's it's covered by wood right so they're really just trying to highlight agave because that's sort of how tequila tequila wouldn't exist without it and so it's it's a super cool spirit and i i love the package design i think it's just gorgeous so it's cool and i'm drinking uh a uh a ranch water because it's it's too early in the day still (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, but, I was, you know, I was so excited when I uh, was just looking through our cocktail recipe database and I saw that ranch water is now in our top 50 cocktails. I know it's crazy. It's, it's a cocktail really that's just come out of up. nowhere. Yeah. It's blown up. Yeah. I also yeah. want to put in a note that if you are interested in Lalo Moore, Adam uh, did an interview with the guys who founded it. Uh, those of you who are watching this live, it'll be available tomorrow on the Vine Pair podcast feed. And those of you who are listening to it, this as a on the podcast feed it will already be on the podcast feed so you should have already listened to it and if you didn't, <laughs> get on it damn it you should have enjoyed it yeah and then you'd yep. be like man adam really liked that tequila so before yeah. we before we kick off today's topic which i'm we're super excited to get into a quick word from our sponsors so the 2020 sherry wines mixology challenge is on so that's for everyone here at tales if you love sherry get in on this sherry as you all know we all should know is a fortified wine from southern spain and it's become the secret ing- ingredient of many innovative cocktails for its versatility and complex flavor profile. So we're looking for all mixologists out there to show their skills and enter to win by submitting your very own sherry cocktail creation. There's going to be prizes of $3,000, $1,500, or $1,500 for those that can read, unlike me, and five <laughs> who will, that will be awarded to the top three winners. All you got to do is go to vinepair.com slash sherry dash mixology dash challenge for details, inspiration, and how to enter. Literally, it's super easy. Just give us your best sherry cocktail. You got a great chance to win. There's an awesome slate of judges. I think everyone should get in on this. I, I love sherry cocktails, um, and I'm sure a lot of people who are watching right now do as well, listening if you're listening to the live recording. So, you know, enter again, vinepair.com slash sherry dash mixology dash challenge. And now for this week's topic. So I figured because it's live, we wouldn't do as much of our banter. We kind of did it already. Uh, so, you know, this week's topic is you know, cocktail trends uh, coming into the fall. So for those who are aware of the VinePair Insights product, a few years ago, we started uh, really tagging in a very specific way all of the content on VinePair in order to truly understand where the industry was headed. And we then take that data and created an algorithm that's able to rank an index of, you know, spirits, serves, et cetera, to see where trends are moving in the world of cocktails. We thought this was a perfect topic to talk about uh, for Tales because, you know, not only are we coming out of the co- of COVID and kind of in still, which is, you know, terrible, um, but also, you know, looking to the fall in terms of what we think, the, you know, the next big cocktail trends are going to be and where we, we are headed. So, you know, with, with that in mind, guys, you want to you kick it off? Erica, where are we headed? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really interesting. You know, when we look at the data, um, and I, I will say that we when we started analyzing the 
insights data from VinePair, um, a lot of it is also supported by what we're seeing in Nielsen, in IWSR, and other data sources. So there's a lot of uh, context for some of the trends we've been seeing. Um, I think the biggest trend and like the real trend to focus on for probably brands who are listening, producers, um, bartenders is the at-home cocktail trend. So mm -hmm. we are seeing that spirits and liqueurs, vermouths, everything that supports the evidence of a at-home cocktail trend has just been going up, 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 up throughout the COVID-affected period. And I think we're really going to see that continue into fall. So, um, yeah, one of the one of the biggest trends that we saw this year is um, during the COVID affected period, uh, tequila. Tequila blew up and it continues to keep going. I think bourbon is now starting to take its its place back, um, uh, rivaling tequila. But throughout the entire summer, we saw a massive growth of tequila that was supported in off-premise sales data. Um, when you look at VinePair's cocktail recipe database, for example, a lot of those top cocktails are margaritas and margarita variations. So I think tequila had a lot going for it um, going into COVID. Absolutely. And I, think, and I think an important thing to note here is when we're talking about at-home cocktails, we're kind of talking about two distinct sort of um, appeals for people. And I think it, it, this was the same thing when, when we did this same topic, talking about what we thought summer would be like. And I think you know, not to toot our own horn too much, but I think we fucking nailed what summer 2020 was going to be like from a cocktail perspective. Maybe we did. You know? Maybe we did. <laughs> you go. You can go back and listen, folks, if you uh, don't believe. But uh, but I think what, what we identified was people are going to want a couple of things. They're going to want comfort, and I mean, shit, fall winter is going to be even more about that. I think, and that's where bourbon and 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 those sort of warm brown spirits are going to come into play even more. But people are also going to want the ability to feel transported. And that to me is the, is the place where whether you're a brand, whether you're a bartender, whether you're a bar, you have that opportunity to take people on a journey. And so while I think that for the, for the certain kind of home bartender who's interested in comfort, that I think is going to express itself in the classic cocktails, right? It's going to express itself in old fashions and Manhattans and frankly, bourbon meat. But I think that for people who are looking to do something else, and especially when people are looking for either, um, unusual product or they're looking for uh, prepackaged cocktails, things like that. To me, where that's going to be is like, how can you take someone on a journey while still sticking with the flavor set that people expect in the fall? So to me, it's like Tiki is a great place to look. I think, you know, sort of bourbon Tiki totally. cocktails are a great option or, or whiskey based Tiki cocktails. I think, you know, we've talked a lot about cognac in the last couple of months. I think that's another opportunity where if you're looking to do something a little bit unfamiliar to people, put a spin on it that they may not, that may not be familiar with, but still going to touch those classic flavors. Another great opportunity. And, and I think that's what people are going to want, right? They're going to want to be able to feel like they can go on a journey without leaving their house, or at least without going too far out of their comfort zone. But they are going to want to do something other than what they can do at home if or, or, you know, easily do at home, I should say. And so if you can step into that void, that's a huge opportunity. Yeah, I think there's going to definitely be a lot, a lot of people still doing, you know, uh, to go cocktails and things like that. I do think that the other thing we're going to see is, you know, you alluded to this, Zach, but there's going to be a lot more interest in uh, the, the the drinks that include vermouth. So what we've seen, 
you know, we've, we've seen vermouth sales explode since the beginning of COVID. I think they're, they're, they don't show many signs of slowing down. And what we're seeing on VinePair is a massive amount of traffic to all of our content about vermouth, right? Mm-hmm. So people are saying, okay, like I bought this because of the Negroni and I was told I had to have this because I want to make a Negroni. And now all of a sudden, like, what are the other uses for it, right? So how do I use this in Manhattan? I think Manhattan's going to have a big fall. Uh, I think the martini is going to have a big fall, you know, in, into winter because again, it's these are actually pretty easy cocktails for the at-home consumer to make. Uh, but they are also going to be looking for bartenders and brands to give them information to make them better, right? So if you are, you know, you have a personality online and you're on Instagram, whatever, and you can and you can provide these tips as a, especially as a as a bartender for how someone can really perfect that at-home martini or how they can, you know, change it up a little bit. You know, oh, I recommend that you should add some dashes of orange bit orange bitters and it gives it a different flavor profile or with your Manhattan, you know, try these brands of cherries or, you know, try this brand of vermouth, et cetera, or, or this rye or this bourbon, I think is what people are really going to be looking for because we're, we're now seeing that they, they are starting to get comfortable with those ingredients and they're playing with them more at home. So I think this is a time for a lot of bartenders, especially to sort of build a profile, you know, amongst consumers in their area and kind of become a resource for those consumers. I know like, look, there's a, there's a lot of other things going on in the world of drinks right now in, in terms of just even being worried about survival, right? So you, the, the first thing you may not be thinking about is like also what you can do to serve people who are making drinks at home. But if you do have that extra time, I think there'll be uh, a lot of wins for people that are able to provide that kind of knowledge. Because I think, you know, there, there's going to just, there's going to be more people making the cocktails at home. And then I think Zach, you're completely right. Looking for the more advanced cocktails out, right? So, okay. So I've, I've figured out how to make the martini. So what can I buy out of the home that feels like a treat. And I think Tiki is a perfect example, right? It's a, it's something that I'm not going to try to make at home. <laughs> right. I'm just Erica, not. Erica will. But <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a hard drink though. I mean, I think Tiki, yeah. Tiki's really difficult to master. Um, and a lot of consumers feel that way. Oh gosh, live is the best. You hear the playground across the street from my apartment, but like you, you know, like I think Tiki is really hard to master, but people still view it as, as a true treat. Right. And there's a lot of other cocktails like that as well. And I, I, at least in New York, it feels like people are going out to the bars when they can. They're feeling more comfortable to be outside. They're feeling comfortable about going and picking up the cocktail and bringing it home. And I'm hoping that continues through the fall. Yeah. I mean, a couple good points there. I think when I uh, was just looking through our recipe database to see what are the highest performing cocktails, totally fascinating. The top 50 cocktails during the COVID affected period, even more so than before that, are uh, two to four ingredients. So I think for brands, for bartenders, et cetera, literally all of them were two to four ingredient cocktails. So those are the the cocktail opportunities that you have to, like you were saying, Adam, put tweaks on those, change them up a little. So that was the top 50, was all two and four ingredient cocktails. And they really were the classics. I mean, they're even things that aren't even that popular normally, like gin sour, whiskey sour, um, things like that. So, you know, in addition to like the ones we all know and love, like the martini, aviation, Negroni, old fashioned, et cetera, et cetera. But then you look at the next 50, the next 50 uh, most popular cocktails are slight variations. So we're talking like lemon grapefruit martini, espresso martini, Paloma, you know, just like a slight, like adding in one more ingredient, one more ingredient. And so I think that's where there's another level of opportunity for brands and bartenders is to say like, okay, you've mastered the margarita. 
let's take it to a Paloma. Okay, you've mastered the martini. Here's a couple variations. And like, that's the opportunity. I think for Ram, I also agree with you that there is an opportunity there with the escapism. I think the biggest challenge for Tiki is really all of the ingredients. Yes, so I was, 100%. I was, I was talking with a writer today and uh, she um, is a well-known uh, Tiki mixologist. And she was, she was, you know, pitching some different um, ideas for Tiki drinks. And I said, you know, we, we have to go to the simple ones like grog, for example, grog is an unheralded, delicious, dark rum, lime, simple syrup, simple syrup, Angostura bitters done like that profile of tiki, but make it simple. I think that's going to be the opportunity for um, tiki cocktails is like, what are the simplest variations that you can give so that people can actually embrace rum and they want to embrace rum. I think they really do. And we saw rum getting some traction this summer as well. I think it's funny. Every time I hear Erica talk about cocktails, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. She wrote a really successful cocktail book. (laughs) And so she actually knows also like what people want to read and make at home, which I think is really worth explaining, right? Like I think about it in terms of even the recipe books that I get where there's some like, I mean, I love Autolenghi, but I don't make a lot of those recipes, right? Like, let's be clear. There's like 20 steps in the ingredients to make the recipe. And I'm like, this looks delicious, but I'm just not going to do it. And I think the same is true for lots of cocktails when it comes to, you know, at home mixology, but people are looking for experts right they, they're not going to do it on their own they you know they'll they'll come to sites like vine pair they'll read our recipes but they also are looking real they can interact with on all these different social media platforms i mean i know we have this as an episode coming up in in a few weeks but talk, looking about what's happening on tiktok with you know everything in the cocktail world and all the people that are creating these really massive followings by showing you how to make drinks And if you look at the drinks that most people are making on tiktok as well they are super simple right yeah. no one is no one is going after these really you know in-depth drinks no one's fat washing no one's making you know milk punch because it just it's too much for the consumer to understand but i think a lot of these people are going to have you know great personalities coming out of covid and will be able to do things because they built these followings which is really interesting yeah i also think the other possibility here and the other opportunity for a lot of brands and, and bars even is to look at how you can interact with the reality for a lot of people, which is a lot of people over the course of spring and summer and into fall did a lot of stocking up, right? People bought lots of booze. They were like, I don't know when I'm going to be comfortable going to a store. I don't know when there are going to be shortages. I mean, fortunately, most of those things have proven to be not such a big deal, but still there's lots of people I know who have lots of bottles of booze kicking around their house. And if you give them a everything but the booze kit, essentially, or everything, or or some (laughs) sort of mix, you know, I think like, like I think about this a lot, right? Like, you know, we probably all have really bad impressions of sour mix or margarita mix or Bloody Mary mix. But that's just because what was typically available was crap. I mean, it was really mass produced, you know, not, not made with quality ingredients, but if you as a bar or you as a, as a, even as a bartender can offer someone an option where all they have to do is stir in or shake in the booze that they already have, you know, they might not want to buy a $15 cocktail from you, but they might want to buy a $5, everything but the booze cocktail kit. And you can capitalize on your ability to produce a lot of those difficult to make or time-consuming, laborious ingredients like, you know, syrups and stuff for, for tiki or whatever. I, I think that's another possibility. Now, maybe that's not as big uh, an opportunity as some of what else we're talking about. But, but I know that I've, you know, I've been approached by bars in the Seattle area who are interested in my thoughts on what to do. And, and that's one thing that I've offered is like, hey, if you offer someone, all you have to do is add, you know, here's a Mai Tai and all you have to do is add the rum. That's a lot more approachable for someone than being like, 
either here's a $15 Mai Tai, which look, I mean, some people are out there doing, but, but a, a lot of people that, you know, they're not going to, they're not going to go down that road all that often. And it's also a lot more approachable than here's a recipe for a Mai Tai, have fun. Like, you know, those kind of cocktails are just for the, even the, even the relatively confident home bartender, there are a lot to take on. And so if you, can, if you can bridge that gap for someone and work with the, the knowledge that they probably have, they probably have a base spirit at home, but maybe not all the other components. That's, I think, a huge opportunity for, for bars in a way that they can stay, you know, more relevant in people's lives than the occasional treat. I agree, dude. Yeah, I completely agree. It's funny. I was about to, before I decided to make the ranch water, which by the way, I have noticed, I, I feel like I'm drinking, you know, more often than the two of you. Cause now I can see you on screen. So I'm like, every time I look, I'm like, I'm getting oh, there. Look, here we go. Oh. Mm. <laughs> but mine is a little stronger but, than yours. <laughs> true. Uh, that's why the ranch water is delicious. But, um, I can't remember the, the, the brand now, but it's literally in my fridge, but I'm not going to get up and get it. Uh, but, you know, it's one of these these fresh juice cocktail brands that mm. basically I think, you know, we're serving the bar, in, bar industry and then in COVID have pivoted. And so, you know, you've already seen some of these brands do that. And they're, they're going on to Amazon and they're letting you buy them there. But I think what you're to your point, Zach, like a lot of especially in cities, a lot of people have a great bar in their neighborhood. And if I knew that I could go out and walk to, uh, you know, the Rockwell place, which still hasn't opened. So, you know, I'm, I'm waiting mm. for that. But when it reopens, I could go there and I could get, you know, a, a bunch of different mixers that I could then come home because I already have alcohol and then also make more at my leisure. Right. So it's like, there's, there's also this um, sort of pressure. It feels like when you get that cocktail to go, that it's to be consumed right now, I think people would be into it because there's, and, and again, it's just another way to sort of get into what's going to happen this fall. Cause I think, you know, as we talked about this more and more, there's going to be, this is, this is the celebratory time, right? O and D matters for, every spirits brand, right? Everybody in this space really is, is very much uh, focused because we know that people drink more and we've already seen the level of, of which people drank uh, just when we, just when COVID happened. And I think it's just going to come to massive extremes, you know, and yeah. we're going to see the, the, you know, what we saw in the spring was that, you know, like tequila has always been popular and it just went like a thousand times more popular, right? I think bourbon has always been popular in the fall. We're going to see it just become a thousand times more popular. And so how do you sort of take advantage of that as well and think about that when it comes to, you know, what you're serving to the community and and how you're Mm -hmm. sort of staying present so that when all this blows over, you know, you have a platform to be able to, to reopen again. Yeah. Yeah, And I think if you're, if you're a producer, if you're a, if you're a distillery and I think, you know, Erica, highlighted, you know, we have distilleries all over the country. And so it's not just a, you know, for bourbon, it's not just a Kentucky or, or, you know, kind of South thing. Like, and if you produce other spirits too, like, I think one thing that you can really think on is, is, you know, how can you sell someone a complete package? You know, I don't think it's sufficient these days to be, to say, here's the bottle of spirits and here's a recipe. You know, the recipes are great, but as, as we pointed out, you know, people have a ton of resources for recipes, including, I think, you know, importantly, Vine Baron, if you're not checking out our, our, you know, drinks catalog, you really should. I mean, it's, it's an amazing repository and, and I'm an you know, experienced bartender and I go look at recipes on there all the damn time. I'm probably the one responsible for the aviation being so popular. But, <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> but, uh, but I would say that uh, I think that, you know, whatever level of the, um, I don't, they can see your disgusting. <laughs> I guess, no, this is why I like the video. It like finally gets, people get to see how I really feel. I think and how I feel is how like, you... come on, Zach. <laughs> Man, you're wearing the vine pair hat. I don't know what to say. You're 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 branded more than I am. No, um, I know, but you're you're claiming popularity for the aviation, and I'm just no like, no no on, no, no. on the site. Ser- on the I site, I search uh-huh. it a lot because I like to make that drink a lot. It's, it's a great drink. Yeah. Anyhow, 
Um, I will say that I think that uh, if you're a if you're a producer, not just a not just a bar or or other kind of um, purveyor of spirits, it's good to have you know to think about how can we you know kind of again channel our ability to produce things at some scale, and maybe you put together three or four you know I, I think cocktail kits are a little played out, but I think if you have here's the bottle of spirit and here's the bottle of essentially mixer, mm-hmm. people are going to eat that shit up because like totally. in the end. Uh, most people don't want to do, yeah. as Erica was alluding to, they don't want to do more than combine two or three ingredients, you know, stir, shake, whatever, and drink. And yeah. and if you can give them a complex, interesting, you know, pretty to look at, or at least super tasty, you know, kind of cocktail in those, in that couple of packages, especially one that they can, as you said, Adam, you know, access whenever they want, that they can go back to over the period of a few days or weeks or whatever, you know, you have an opportunity there to capture some attention and some sales that, you know, just that just doing spirit sales or just doing to go mm-hmm. cocktails may not afford you. 100%. Yeah, it's it's shocking to me that st- people still buy simple syrup, but apparently that is they a great opportunity in liquor stores right now. Like that's those types of things. People are looking for those small variations that they don't just don't have to make it themselves. Like they don't want to, you know, put some like lemon peel into a you know, <laughs> simple, into some sugar and water and make like an infused syrup but it's so so i think that's you know another another area is like we you know as as you know publications as um uh you know brand ambassadors whatever it is it's just giving people the tools to help them figure out how to make a couple simple drinks i mean i think i think that's actually one of the biggest opportunities i see with um with cognac which i know we like have been blown away by seeing how much this category has grown off premise nielsen just uh, released some numbers showing that over summer it's up 61 percent year over year and a lot of that is the volume shifting from on-premise to off-premise uh but i think the bigger point is you know there have been so many successful, um, you know, collaborations and spokespeople with people from the sports world, from the music world. And, but I still think that uh, a lot of people, a lot of consumers have no idea what to do with cognac. And 100%, so like, 100%. giving them some ideas of like, Hey, here's, here's a product. And like, here's a couple ways to use it. You know, it could be as simple as like um, a French Manhattan, you know, a cognac based Manhattan a sidecar, um, like a variation on an old fashioned. These things do not have to be difficult, but I think brands and, you know, ambassadors and uh, bartenders, et cetera, just giving those small variations can really make a difference and help help those people find a following. And I think that's one of the big opportunities for um, drinks professionals right now is using social media and or newsletters or other platforms to try to build an audience when you can't have that audience in person. Yeah, I can agree more. Yeah, and I think the other piece is, and and this is a great opportunity where, you know, whether it's on social media or just in in home uh, education opportunities, you know, one thing that's really cool is you can really showcase technique when and where technique is appropriate. You know, if you've got a, I mean, all of us have smartphones. Most of us have a computer that can, you know, get on, can record a video, et cetera. Like, you know, show people how to do this stuff. And I think that's like a huge, you know, I mean, again, it's amazing to me in a one sense. It's also not surprising on the other. You know, my, my dad doesn't know how to make a Manhattan. He, every time he wants one, he calls me and is like, what exactly goes in it? And, you know, my dad is not like an unsophisticated person in some senses, but it's, it's true that like, you know, there, there isn't that retained knowledge for a lot of people if you're not doing it all that often. And, and something as simple as like, 
how do you actually shake or stir a drink? Like mm -hmm. if you can, if you can give totally. people, arm people with that knowledge, I mean, let alone, you know, how do you make a drink with an egg white in it or something like that? I mean, that's, that's getting up there, but just the basics, you know, people are super interested in, in, in mastering those skills, but also mm -hmm. very unsure of themselves. And so the more you yeah. can give them the ability to kind of feel confident, to engage with content that you've created, they're, they're going to be loyal because I mean, man, we're all, this sucks. And so we're all looking for, for, you know, fun. We're all looking for things at points of connection and, and, and people that we can feel, you know, connected to, even if we can't see them in person. Yeah, yep. I agree. And, you know, I think, you know, I'd be remiss if we didn't say like, look, we, this is an industry we love. Um, you know, a, a lot of you are our friends. Um, we are, we're all, you know, hurting for what's happening right now. And, you know, if there's any other way that we can be helpful, please reach out to VinePair. Um, you know, you can either email us at podcast.vinepair.com or info at vinepair.com. Um, you know, tell us, you know, what we can do. You know, there's obviously lots of things that we've, we've uh, tried initiatives we've started already, uh, but we would, you know, love to highlight things that you might be doing if you're doing really creative things in your, uh, in your city or you're a brand that's doing interesting things to give back. We've tried to, you know, do that through highlighting uh, different interviews throughout the week uh, in addition to this, this round table we do every Monday. So please let us know, shoot us an email um, and we'll do our best to get back to you and, and try to, you know, shed light on as many people as possible in the industry and, and how everyone can be helpful. Yeah, absolutely. We, we, we love uh, that we've been able to be a resource in these times. I mean, we kind of hate that it's, it's come to that, but, yeah. but it's been really, I think, powerful for all of us, I think, uh, that we've right. been able to, 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 yeah, shine some light and, and hopefully offer some suggestions, solutions, and, and opportunities for all of you. 100%. Yeah, definitely. And we are definitely dedicated to highlighting um, people from the BIPOC community, um, women, voices that are not often heard or have not had platforms. I think that's one of the most successful things that uh, we've been able to do is use VinePair as a platform for good in the drinks industry. And we're dedicated to that. It's a, it's a pillar of our editorial and something that um, we are dedicated to um, throughout our programming. So, yep. you know, if your voice has not been heard and you are looking for an outlet either to write or to be a source, please do reach out. Yeah, again, the, the email's podcast at vinepair.com. It's the easiest way, or editors at vinepair.com if it's for, for writing and to be a source in some of our articles. We really would appreciate you to reach out. And guys, like, my ranch water is done, so I think that means the podcast is over. Oh, yeah, I got to have my last uh, I'm sip still sipping. Mm. Well, while you guys sip, I'll read, I'll read a word from our sponsor again. So the, the 2020 Sherry Wines Mixology Challenge is on. Again, I don't think I need to educate you on what Sherry is, but just in case, Sherry is a fortified wine from southern Spain and has become the secret ingredient of many innovative cocktails for its versatility and complex flavor profile. Again, if you've attended Tales multiple years, you already know this. Show your mixology skills and enter to win by submitting your very own Sherry cocktail creation. Prizes are for 3000 1500 and 500 and will be awarded to the top three winners for the most innovative sherry cocktails visit vinepair.com slash sherry dash mixology dash challenge for details inspiration and the instructions to enter and with that we wish everyone a good tales we hope to see you in person next year and thank you so much for listening and zach erica talk to you next week see you next week sounds great Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you enjoy listening to us every week, please leave us a review or rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. 
now for the credits. Vinepair is produced and hosted by Zach Jabal, Erica Ducey, and me, Adam Teeter. Our engineer is Nick Patry and Keith Beavers. I'd also like to give a special shout out to my Vinepair co-founder, Josh Mallon, and the rest of the Vinepair team for their support. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again right here next week.